is. If you can read this through and you really understand what Paul is is teaching and trying to get across to us, it will set you free. Um, grace is so important because it is by grace we're saved. It is by grace we're healed. It's by grace that we have provision. It's by grace you know, that we're protected. It's by grace that we have wisdom and understanding and everything that comes from God. All right. So if you un- if you don't understand grace, how it works, you know, things that it is and that it isn't, then it's going to be hard to actually move and walk in those things. So we're going to uh, try to portray um, clearly what grace is and then also show clearly what grace is not. Because guess what? All these things that uh, Paul was dealing with in his letter back then, we're dealing with the same thing. Because there's churches that actually teach against the grace of God. Or they teach that grace is this, and it's not. Okay? So um, this is a class by, uh, that was written by Barry Bennett. All right? It is a Karis class. I actually went through the class. I've also listened to this class probably about 20 times. <laughs> It is, uh, you know, it's one of those things that's, I, I don't know if you guys have the same feeling, but I, I don't learn things. I catch things. It's like, oh, I don't understand it. Unless I'm like, oh, I got, I got it finally, <laughs> you know. I, you, I don't know if you guys are that way, but um, I'll, it's like I catch, I'm like, I got it. I finally got it, you know, when I, and when, I, when, I, when I've got it like that, I know I can walk in it, you know. I can say, I know that I know that I know, because that's where I want to get to. I want to know that I know that I know uh, these things. So let's pray. So, Father, we just come to you in the name of Jesus, and we just thank you for your word. Your word is truth, and it is your word that sets us free. It is also, O Lord, by your word, O Lord, that, and your promises, O Lord, that we, that we can receive all that, that Christ has done for us, O Lord, and walk in what, what he has made us to be. So I just pray, Holy Spirit, this is your time. Just speak through me, and I just pray that you give us all, including me, ears to hear and eyes to see, and a heart that's ready to, to receive and, and to understand. And, Lord, I, I just pray, O Lord, that from your word, from your truth, O Lord, that we would all walk out of here just free, because your truth always sets free and brings life. We thank you for this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So uh, anybody else need a book? Got it, got it, got it. Okay. All right. All right, so this is a, cl- a class by Barry Bennett, and someone's already mentioned Barry Bennett quite a few times today. <laughs> he is he's probably one of the better, bi- I mean, they're all excellent, but uh, Barry Bennett is actually quite unique as far as his understanding of the Bible. This guy can talk on any subject and give you 100 scriptures on it just from memory. So it's, it's really amazing uh, um, what this guy can do. He's not only can quote scripture, but he has experience with those scriptures. It's one thing to know the scriptures. It's another, another thing to experience those scriptures. You know, uh, Pastor Pius said, uh, said to, well, you know, are you sleeping? You know, are you awake? You know, are you, you could say you know the truth, but you're sleeping to that truth. 
And, you know, it's not until you experience that truth that you are awake to that truth. So we all want to be awake. We all want to experience everything that Jesus has bought and paid for us, right? We want it to be part of our lives. And guess what? We need to, we need to be to the point where I'm like, I want it all. <laughs> Whatever I need to do to get it all, I want it all. I want all that Jesus has bought and paid for. I want to walk in it. I want to live it. And I want to give it to anyone who else wants to receive it. Right? Just like Jesus went around, that's who he was. That's who we were supposed to be. And then he gave out what God gave him. And that's what we should be doing too. You know? There is no difference between Pastor Dave or Barry Bennett or Andrew Walmack, or any of these people been with us. We're all children of the living God, right? Sons and daughters, right? We've all been given the name, the mighty name of Jesus Christ. When you see them do something or experience something or they've shared testimony, whatever has happened to them is now something that can happen to you or through you. Every single thing Every single thing. But you got to believe it. Some people are like, oh, God couldn't use me that way. Well, that's a lie because he said he could. Uh You need to believe him and not you. (laughs) But anyway, so let's start with A. So the theme is salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Salvation by grace sets us free to live the Christian life by yielding to the Spirit rather than observing the Mosaic law for justification. Now, this is very relevant today because a lot of churches teach legalism. They teach that you still have to abide by parts of the law. But it's Jesus alone that brings salvation. If you add Jesus to it, then all of a sudden Jesus means nothing, right? I'll give you an example. If you come to God and go, God, you know, I... I read three my Bible three, uh, three hours today, so I can come right on in here, you know, and God's going to say, go on out of here with your mess. <laughs> now, if you come in and go, thank you, Lord, I just put on Jesus. It's because of Jesus that I'm coming, and I thank you that you made a way, and he receives you as a son and a daughter. He says, come on in. Come sit on my lap. Let me give you some kisses and hugs. <laughs> Because that's my God and Father, right? So it's Jesus plus nothing. If you try to add anything in it, to it, then it takes away from what Jesus has done. Okay? So the key verse for Galatians is 5 and 1. It says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty within Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Okay? Read, but it's, I can read, but it's a little bit more comfortable if I um, put my glasses on. So we're going to uh, actually read, and if you guys want to open your Bibles, if not, I think we're going to actually have it up here also. It says, Paul, an apostle, and this is Galatians uh, 1, 1 through 10, said, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me to the church of Galatia. So, one of the things that was happening is the Judaizers, or those who were sent from Judah or came from Judah, was trying to tell the um, Galatian church that Paul wasn't a true apostle. You know? 
he didn't come from them, that they actually came from Jerusalem and was sent by, by um, the church, and that Paul wasn't really an apostle. So he is going to start giving a defense that he, was, he is an apostle, okay? So first of all, it says um, that an apostle, not from, men nor, uh, not from men or through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. He's trying to say, look, guys, I, was, I didn't just make myself an apostle and say I was an apostle. Jesus himself called me to be an apostle, right? He had the experience on, on the road to the Damascus, right? So um, three, it says, Grace to you and peace from the God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of God our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And then six, now he really just starts laying into Galatians, the Galatians. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you to you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. There is no other gospel, guys. There is only one gospel. It is the good news of Jesus Christ. It is that by grace we're saved, by grace, you know, what he has done, that we are saved, healed, whole, protected, provided for, and so on, right? There is no other good news except that, except Jesus Christ. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. Um, per- pervert is a very strong word, you know. Um, when, you, when you say, well, he's a pervert, you know, that's a that's that's a that's a, a a pretty bold accusation, you know, and and hurtful in a lot of ways. But if something is to, to be a certain way, and then all of a sudden you're making it to uh, to be something else, it, it is a perversion of the original. All right, and so they had the original. Paul preached them the original, the good news of Jesus Christ, and someone's come, and now he's made it. They made it something that it was not meant to be. That God did not meant it to be. So, on uh, verse 8, but even if we or an angel from, from heaven preach any other gospel to you than that which we preached to you, let him be accursed. Okay? Now, we've had some teaching saying, okay, we're supposed to be, uh, we're supposed to bless, not curse. But I tell you what, Paul was so, uh, forgive me, but he was so ticked off about these people, you know, that he was, he was pronouncing a curse on them. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than that which would have been received, let him be accursed. Oh, my gosh. He was re- really, because, I mean, he had preached the unadulterated grace of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then someone was coming and putting something on them that was going to take away from what he had already established. And then, so 10, so, so do I persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For I saw, if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Jesus Christ. You know, he had to deal with a whole lot of stuff from <laughs> um, the, the, uh, the Jews, right? They, ch- they have chased him. They stoned him, you know. They called him all kinds of names. And, you know, he's like, look, I could have just gone along with them. But I couldn't because he only wanted to preach. He only wanted to show Christ and him crucified. It's Jesus only. And he goes, I could have just went along with them and things would have been fine. They wouldn't have come after me, you know, and did all these things to me. So 
I'm not here to please men. I'm here to please God. All right? That's right. So, yeah, he used to persecute the church, you know. But it says, you know, that God saw his heart, that he believed he was doing this for God. And then God chose to pull, you know, to take him and make him apostle. So let's look at C. Say Paul wrote to correct the following two errors that were affecting the church. So you must keep the law in order to be saved. Okay? So how many know how many laws there is? 613 laws. The Judaizers taught that the works were necessary for salvation and sanctification. It was a religion built on legalism. Can you imagine every day having to keep 613 laws? You know, and James says, look, if you, if you fail at one, you fail them all. Can you imagine having a test? You have a 1613 uh, question test, and you've got to get it perfect, you know? And then the next day, you've got another test with, <laughs> and the next day I have another test. My gosh, that would be terrible. What? That would be a terrible life. Oh my gosh, thank God for Jesus. <laughs> you know what he did? I'll tell you a secret. He took the test for you. He got 100, you know, for 33 years. And then, you know what he did? He gave, he slid that over to you and said, You're, it's yours. You got the A. You know, it's because of Jesus. Yes. I mean, to really go along with that, we'd have to have a, a temple. We'd have to have priests. We'd have to have, um, you know, lambs and goats and all these other things to sacrifice. So it's not something that's even, even we're capable of, right? So, but there is some that teach, oh, you know, when you pray, you should have a prayer shawl on. You know, a covering. And that's not, that's not right. You know what your covering is? Your covering is Jesus. Right? So if you want to come before God and you want to put a covering on, what you need to see is yourself putting on Jesus. Jesus is my covering. All right? It's, it's Jesus plus nothing that allows you to come in to God's presence to be able to play at his feet as a child of God, to experience all his love and his goodness. It's all because of Jesus and Jesus alone. So number two, if Christ has set us free, then we can live as we please. And this was another thing that they were accusing Paul of, right? And I've, we, the last church that we're in, I started listening to Andrew and I started talking to the pastor about it. He goes, oh, no, 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 no. So we don't, we don't teach that. We don't believe it. And it was Assemblies of God, which is really good church. It really, it really is. But they believed if you taught the grace, grace, the way Andrew was teaching it, that it would just make people go and live in sin, right? And that's not what they're, he's trying to teach at all, you know, right? We've been set free from sin, right? And but we we're not set free to sin, you know. So um, those who fail to truly understand God's grace were turning to licentiousness and living for the flesh. All right, but that's not what he was teaching at all. 
So Galatians answers clearly the question posed in Acts 16, 29 through 31, which, what, what must I do to be saved? And it says, the, when the jailer says, what must I do to be saved? He says, then he called for a light, ran in and fell down, trembling before Paul and Sil- Silas, and, and brought to them, brought them out and said, sirs, what must I be, do to be saved? So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved and your household. It's belief in Jesus Christ and what he did and what he did alone. All right? They didn't say, oh, you have to be circumcised and you got to start going, you know, doing all these rituals and doing all these things and learning all these laws and stuff like that. It was through believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and, and him alone. Okay? So those are the two main things that he's dealing with. You know, they accused him of not being an apostle, you know, that, that he didn't know what he was talking about, you know, that he wasn't sent from the, the, the original Jewish church, you know. Because um, a lot of people are like, you know, a lot of churches are like, well, we, we trace our roots all the way back, you know, to the original church, you know. And that's why we have the authority to, to say what's right and what's wrong, you know. Um, I know the Bapt- one of the Baptist churches, that's exactly what they taught. They're like... We, we can trace what we teach all the way back to the original church. <laughs> and I'm looking at what they're, they're teaching, and I'm like, there's no way. They, they didn't taught that. I, can, I mean, at that time, I was a new believer, and I'm, I started reading the Bible, and I was already recognizing they weren't really teaching the whole un, unadulterated word of God. So, so Yes. Yeah, so uh, the Baptist convention, basically, they, they stated recently that there shouldn't be a woman pastor, okay? But the thing is, is when you read the Word of God, you can't take the one word and, and then exclude all the other words. It has to all work together. And if you really, if you really, really study the whole counsel of God's Word, then you'll come up with the truth. Andrew, um, not Andrew, Kenneth Hagan taught this. He goes, you can read a scripture and, and go this way, and it's like you're driving on the road, and there's a ditch on this side, and there's a ditch on this side. What you want to do is stay straight and keep going, right? But what happens is people will read, read a scripture, and they'll get so stuck on that one scripture and basically start saying that, you know, because they exclude the other, the other scriptures, they go into this ditch and they get stuck. Or they may go all the way to the other side and get stuck on the other side. What we want to do is we want to read and study the whole counsel of God's word. It should all fit, right? You know, when I started going to, to Karis, there was a lot of things people would teach, and I'm like, ah, how's that fit? I don't know how that fits. So I had to put it on a shelf. I said, well, God, maybe you'll explain it to me later. And then I started going to Karis and listening to all the truths and stuff like that and saw all of a sudden... I was like, it all fits. It really, really does. It all fits. And so when you take the whole counsel of God's word, and, and then, then you can stay, and you can get somewhere, you know? When you take the whole counsel of God's word, you've got to look at the whole thing. But anyway, but yeah, that's very sad. Because, you know, um, when me and Diane, we, we, we taught about that, that God can use a woman 
it does in any capacity as a man, that there is no male or female in God. So if he calls you, you can do it. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. God's ready to move and work powerfully. And we've got many wonderful examples outside the church. But my gosh, we have some wonderful examples here in the church. Undeniable examples. God's not going to work through someone that, that, and, and it be wrong, right? And we've got wonderful, wonderful examples of mighty women of God in this church. We are blessed. <laughs> we are so blessed. So... The thing is, is, is two things. I want every, every one of you women to be free to go as far as God wants you to go and calls you to go. And don't hold back. Don't think that you can't. Because through God, you can, right? Men of God, we need to be ready to receive from these women of God. Because we're going to miss out. If we've closed our heart to them, we're going to miss out what God has for us. Anyway, that's another sermon. Sorry. <laughs> so uh, the date of writing is, uh, and so Galatians 1, um, 1, 15 and 18. Well, let's read, read below this. The letter was written about 16 to 20 years after Paul's conversion. There are three years mentioned in Galatians 1 and 18, and there are 14 years in 2 and 1. Okay. So the epistle was written after the Jerusalem conference dealing with the Judaizers. So um, let's, go, let's go to Galatians 2 and 1, honey. Thank you for doing this for me. So after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me. And I went up by revelation and communicated to them the gospel which I preached among the Gentiles, but privately to those who are reputation, lest by any means I might have run, run or had run in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And this occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. To whom we did not yield submission even for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But from those who seem to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. God shows no personal favoritism. To no man, for those who seemed to be something added nothing to me. But on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised had been committed to me, as the gospel for the circumcised was, was to Peter, for he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised also worked effectively in me toward the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, received perceived the grace that had been given to me. They gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the uncircumcised. I mean, to the circumcised. They desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I also was eager to do. So there was three years where Paul had gotten saved and basically went to, oh, I forgot, golly. 
he went away from the Jews completely by himself, and I believe he prayed. So I believe what he did is he went by himself before God, and he did this. And as he did that, God gave him supernatural revelation, right? Who has the revelation that Paul had? I'm not even sure Peter had that revela- the revelation that Paul had. Even Peter refers in, in, um, in his letters, you know, all those things that Peter teaching, they're deep and they're good. <laughs> but wow, you know, he was like, he didn't have that re- same re- revelation. But he came back, when he came from there and went to Antioch and then spent three years there, he was then teaching this revelation, you know, of Jesus and Jesus alone. So there was three years there, and then there was a, a 14 years where he went out uh, with his uh, missionary journeys, right? Went to the, all these different ministry journeys, and then he was just being persecuted and challenged over and over again. And then he would, but he would leave a church, and all of a sudden these sneaky guys would come in there and say, well, do you really think it's just through Jesus alone? Don't you think you have to, you know, obey the, these laws and stuff and get circumstances and do, and do these things? And unfortunately, you know, they believed him, you know. All of a sudden, they're like, well, maybe I should get circumcised. Maybe, you know, and, and that wasn't the case at all. You do, you know, they're like, he, he's like, I've got to do something about this. So then he decides to go to Jerusalem to see Peter, James, and John, and the other apostles and the believers there. But they added nothing to them, to him. They didn't, they're like, they didn't say, oh, yeah, well, you taught this, but you also have to touch, teach this, 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 and this, okay? They didn't do that. They added nothing. This would have been a really good time for them to go, oh, you know what? Yes, we do believe you need to follow the law. You do need to be circumcised. You do need to have all these things done, right? But they did not, right? Even though a lot of the believers there or the Jewish believers there believed in that, they were standing up and saying, no, you have to, you know? But they decided, no. If God did for them by baptizing the Holy Spirit, all the miracles and the signs and the wonders without the law, why, why should they put the law on them, right? So let's see. So Eve, Paul's first missionary journey. So um, in Acts 14, 1 through 7. Yeah, I'm going to read that. Now it happened in Iconium that they were together in the synagogue of the Jews. So spoke that a great multitude, both Jews and Greeks, believed. So this is where in Iconium is basically when he first went to Galatia, okay? Great multitude, both of Jews and Greeks, believe. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against The brethren, therefore, they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord. My, did I miss something here? Hold on a second. What's that? 
That's right. Okay. Speaking boldly to the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided, part sided with the Jews and part with the apostles. And when a violent attempt was made on made by both the Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them, they became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Laconia. Now, this is also in the region of Galatia and to the surrounding region, and they were preaching the gospel there. So Paul is there in Galatia. This is the area that he's preaching. Okay, if you go to 19, then Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derby. And when they, let's see, he rose up. Yeah. Oh, 20. I'm just going to stay there for a second. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derby. I believe this is when, actually, I think believe Paul actually died, right? You don't get stoned like that and survive. It, you know, it's impossible. I believe he was dead. And the, when the believers actually gathered around him hand in hand, they prayed and God raised them up. Now, Paul actually recites in, in Acts, or I'm sorry, in Corinthians, that he knew a man that was caught up to the third heaven, you know, and saw things and heard things, you know, that, that a man shouldn't mention, you know. Um, I believe this was the time that that happened. I believe he died, right? And so then he, gets, he raises up. He goes back into the city where he got stoned, but then leaves and goes to another, another place, okay? Uh, this is important to understand. Because um, a lot of people preach that Paul had an infirmity, a sickness, and disease, right? But in his missionary journeys, there is never a mention about him being sick or infirm firm or anything like that. But it does mention him getting stoned, right? And I believe this is the reference in, Galat in Galatians when he's talking about, you know, that you would have plucked out your eye. Because it was an infirmity of the flesh that came to you. You would have plucked out your eye and gave it to me, you know, if, if, if need be, you know. But I believe it was because he had just been stoned and raised from the dead. And then he had, there had to be a time for him to recover, right? Not that he was sick. Because a lot of people who want to preach sickness, well, look, Paul was sick. He had an infirmity, right? But I don't believe he was sick in that way. I believe he was just recovering, you know, he had, he had this weakness that he had just been stoned. Now, Barry actually shares something, a story. He goes, this really brought, this really brought it home for him. He goes, I was doing um, softball. And he goes, I was the pitcher. And he goes, Barry's like six foot four, right? He goes, this guy was six foot four, but about three times heavier than him. Just a bulky guy. He throws the softball. The guy hits it, and it hits him right in between the eyes. He goes, he was wearing sunglasses, and it basically burst into pieces. He goes, I instantly fell to my knees. He goes, blood was gushing from my head, from my nose, my, my mouth. He goes, I thought my teeth got knocked out. He goes, and this is kind of funny, he goes, well, you know, a softball soft is a misnomer. <laughs> it is not soft at all, you know. 
he wound up having to go to the hospital, and it took um, um, uh, quite a few weeks for him to recover, right? That was just one object being thrown at him. Can you Im- imagine hundreds of, st- of stones being thrown at you and then being able to w- get up from that and then be willing to go and, and preach again for why he got stoned again? This guy really w- meant business. He was serious about that. He didn't care what happened, you know. If he was going to be stoned, he was going to be stoned. He was still preaching Jesus and Jesus alone, you know. So, um, and when they had departed the city, the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derby. And when they had the city, the next day he departed with Barnabas. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. Strengthen the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. My gosh, he, he showed it, right? He was living it. He was being persecuted, but he would not been, right? So when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. No mention in this whole time of his missionary journey there in Galatia that he was sick at all. It does mention that he was stoned. So uh, F, it's Paul's infirmity in the flesh. We've been touching on that. But in Galatians 4 and 13, it says, You know that because of physical infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at first. So a lot of people take that and say, well, see, Paul was sick but I believe it's because he was stoned and he was recovering. Then Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, and having persuaded the multitude, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. And I believe he was dead. Okay. So let's go to G. What two things are being required of the Gentile Christians that created controversy? First was circumcision. So, um... Galatians 5, 2 through 6 says, Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. (laughs) And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law, all those 613 laws. You have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace you do not want to fall from grace for we through the spirit eagerly wait the hope of righteousness by faith for in christ jesus neither circumcision nor circumcision avails anything but faith working through love okay if you try to say jesus plus i have to read three hours or you have to be at church every time it's open you know, as a requirement to be accepted by God, then guess what? You're going to be estranged. You're going to, you're going to go, I've tried so hard, but I don't seem like I'm getting God's attention. <laughs> I've had a many, many times where I've gone and, and said, well, God, I did this, this, and this, and this. And so I'm thinking I should get some special love today. <laughs> I should get special attention today, right? And then I get nothing. And I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on? And so then I've got to go, I said, God, what's going on? And he's like, well, it's not because, not, nothing to do with you. 
that you're my son and that I love you. It's all about Jesus. So when we come to him in that way, then we get rejected. He's like, yeah, I'll take your mess out there. You get, get situated and then you come back, you know, stinking thinking. <laughs> also, when I mess up, guys, when I do, I miss my Bible reading. I miss my prayer time. Or I, I get mad at someone, you know. Then I go, oh, I can't come to God. But God says also, it's not about you. It's about Jesus, right? So I can still come to him, and he can love on me all he wants to, and I can receive that love all I want to, even though I mess up. Even though I messed up, because it's not about what I've done or not done or whatever. It's all about Jesus, okay? You believing in his finished work and what he did, it's all about him. So there is absolutely nothing that you can do to make God love you anymore, accept you any more than what Jesus has already done. And it doesn't matter how bad you mess up. <laughs> when you come, come to him, I'm coming to you because of Jesus. He is going to open his arms and say, come sit on my lap. Let me love you and hug you and kiss you. And, you know, because um, that's how I see him. I really, I, I really believe if God was right here, he, wouldn't, he couldn't stand you to stand in front of him. He's, gonna, he's like, you need to come here. <laughs> you need to come here right now because I want to give you a hug. I want to give you a kiss. I want to love you. I want to show you how much I love you, you know? And that's all been made possible, not because of anything you did. It's because of Jesus, okay? God, God's heart, toward you will never ever change why because what jesus did and who jesus is will never ever change we might change we might get hot or cold but jesus never changes because of that we can come to him boldly in every in any time and in every way doesn't matter how how great of a day we had or how bad of a day we had we can come to him the same and he's going to love us the same period so uh, H, what three tactics appear to have been used by the Judeers, teachers? First, they wanted to discredit Paul as an apostle. This is why Paul defended himself by stating that he received his apostleship from Jesus himself. And even Peter, James, and John recognized Paul's apostleship, right? So not only was he commended by God, but he was also commended by the, the three leading apostles, you know, in Jerusalem. So, by the way, so we know Peter and John, but James was actually Jesus' brother, by the way. For a long time, I thought it was, you know, Peter, James, and John, but James had been beheaded by the sword. This was actually James, uh, Jesus' brother. But they were all pillars. They were the main three, and they added nothing to him, but actually recognized his apostleship. So, two, they challenged his concept of the gospel of Christ. They were trying to say that people had to be circumcised and had to keep the law. And that, that was not the case. Three was they charged a doc, doctrine with lead, leading to loose living. So in Galatians 5 and 13 says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love serve one another. 
What did Christ came to do? He came to serve. That was his example to us, and that's what we need to do also. Right? His grace doesn't free us up to sin. It frees us from sin. Okay? So, his grace is there. His super on your natural is ready ready for you so that you can withstand those things that come your way. All right? When a temptation comes, you don't have to withstand that temptation on your own, on your own power, your will, you know? You don't have to put your hand, your hands over your ears and go, no, 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 I can't, I don't want to hear that, I don't want to hear that, because I'm being tempted. You can say, God, I call on your grace. I call on your super, super to be all my natural so that I can withstand those things, whatever the devil may come to give me the strength, the wisdom, the understanding, everything I possibly could need so that I do not fall in or are forced into that trap. The devil doesn't have that power over me any longer. Okay? You can call on his grace. When I I was asked to teach this class, I'm like, my first thing was like, no! (laughs) That sounds scary. (laughs) But I went to God and I said, God, should I do this? And he said, yes. And I'm like, well, because of that, I know he's going to, he is going to give me the grace, the wisdom, the understanding, the strength to be able to stand in front of all you awesome people, my brothers and sisters, and share and teach, you know? So give my heart to him and let him speak through me. But in every situation, this is the same with you guys. If you go to God and God says, yes, go that way, then you can know that he can give you the, the super, his super, natural wisdom, strength, and power, and whatever else you might need to accomplish what he said you can do. And that comes through his grace. Paul said he was able to do all that he did because of the abundance of grace that worked in him. Not because he was... Smart and university, you know, university taught, you know, or all the things he did. It was all, he goes, the reason I stand, the reason I've been able to do is because his grace worked abundantly in me. And his grace can work abundantly in you. You just need to know that it's there for you, right? So that you can call on it no matter what. So a lot of people like say, I can't help it. Well, you can help it. Because you have something now that wasn't available to you. You have his strength. You have his power. You have his wisdom. You have all these things available to you so that you don't go that way. Right? But just like the last church, you know, the, the, the Assemblies of God, they thought, man, if you, if you teach that people are, are free and if they, they sin, it's, it's, you know, it's okay to sin. I'm not saying it's okay to sin. I'm just saying if you sin, there's, there's forgiveness. Right? There's healing. You know, it, all of a sudden you don't have to worry of that. You're going to, if you were to die because you did something wrong, that you would go to hell, right? Yes. Okay. So there's a difference between a servant in a house and a child or a son or daughter in the house. The servant has to perform. Otherwise, what happens? 
you're out of here. The son or the daughter, they can mess up and mess up and, me- and make messes and make stinkies and <laughs> we We have a whole different relationship because of God's grace, because of Jesus. That grace has made us sons and daughters of God, and it doesn't matter what happens, you know? And, you know, I was actually praying about this, and I, this is what I saw. I saw this baby with a diaper, and his diaper was full, and boy, it smelled, and he was just walking around, and then daddy's just walking around, oh, baby, stinky, stinky. (laughs) It doesn't matter how much of a stinky, you know what, God loves you. Because you're his child. You're not a servant. You're not a servant. And he is going to be, however long it takes for you to get potty trained or whatever else, whatever mess you're dealing with at the time or going through, it doesn't matter how long it takes. He is completely one million percent invested in his love and his relationship with you. That's what Jesus' grace has bought for us. We're no longer servants, but we are children. And so he deals with us differently. He will never, ever, 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 ever give up on you. It doesn't matter how many times you you mess up or how many messes you make. (laughs) Praise God, he is with us and he's invested. He's never going to give up on us. He's always going to love us, you know. And, and everything. So when you mess up, don't fall on the ground and, 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 you know, pitch a hissy fit and everything. Let him scoop you up and let him clean you up again and get you right. And, and let's move on again. You know, if you trip and you fall, he's right there ready to pick you up. That's all you have to do is just turn around and go, and he's going to scoop you up, kiss your boo-boos, and then Say, let's do, let's do this again. You're my son. You're my daughter. And I am. We're going to do this together. You're going to get through this. You're going to get past this. That's who we have now because of what Jesus did. Because of his grace. Right? Praise God. We have a different relationship with God. Based on better promises. <laughs> so um, I says, what, it, what is Paul's purpose in writing the epistle? Let me see. Let me make sure. Yes, I. Okay. It is to verify his apostleship and the gospel of justification by faith in Christ. Okay? Now, these are the the themes that we're going to be learning. Now, these are more topical than expository. Expository would take verse by verse and break everything down as you go. And you know what? That would take a very long time. But Barry basically took seven major topics, all right? And then so each lesson is going to be a topic. So one is um, grace or law, based on one and six. The next one's going to be revelation knowledge or natural knowledge. Whew. That one's actually a really good one. A C, uh, the, the third one's are the, actually going to be the fourth one, or C is going to be the, the new man or the old man. Um, D is going to be faith or works. The other one's going to be, the next one's going to be bless, the blessing of Abraham or the law of Moses. F is sons or slaves. We just kind of cover that one pretty well, I think. <laughs> and the spirit or the flesh, 
Okay, so those are going to be the seven, uh, the next seven lessons. All right. Now the the next thing you have is the as out, an outline of Galatians, and we're not going to go over this whole outline. This what I want you guys to do is the next several weeks is to to read Galatians, but look at look at the outline as you read. Okay, and basically pick up. Um, these different uh, topics and stuff and kind of pick them out, all right? So um, so you guys can look at that outline as you read, okay? So what we want to do is I want to take about five minutes for you guys to stretch your legs, get some coffee or use the bathroom or whatever you need to do um, so we can wake up a little bit. <laughs> All right, so five minutes, okay? The gospel of grace or the good news about God's grace. All right? Okay, so um, it says the gospel of grace. So 1 Corinthians 1, 6 and 7 says... I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is no other, not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. Again, a perversion is something that was presented or God created to be one way, and then someone has twisted it to, to be something or mean something else. It, it's a perversion. Okay, one is the truth, the truth sets you free. The, the other one is a lie, and the lies always bring you into bondage. <clears throat> so what is the gospel of grace? Our key verse here is Galatians 5 and 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. So I don't know if you guys um, ever played the game, it's called King of the Hill. Right? So the king of the hill, the way you play it is someone's at the king of the hill, and then everyone else is trying to come and knock you down and so that they can be king, all right, to take away your position. And guess what? That's what the enemy tries to do. He is continually trying to tackle you, push you, trip you up, knock you down, away from the grace of God, all right, and bring you into some kind of law. To where you must do, you know, you have to do this or that, or uh oh, you messed up and you're no longer in grace, and that is not the case at all. I remember what we just said in the lesson. You being able to, to receive and walk in God's grace doesn't have anything to do with you, it has to do with Christ, and Christ is immovable, unchangeable. And because of that, that grace is always, always extended to you. Okay? We also talked about what the difference is between a servant and a son or daughter. Hallelujah. That was beautiful. <laughs> so, but the thing is, is liberty comes through grace. Bondage comes through the law. You know what? A lot of times, you know, when, when people say you need, you need to do this and this and this, and then, then, you know, you'll be able to get closer to God or you'll be able to experience more of God or, or do this. To, it's, it's all based on you having to do something, okay? And that's not the case. It, God is available to you to come running as a child to him, 
because that's your relationship now through grace as a child. And you can come running to him and he receives you every single time. As long as you're not basing your being able to come in front of him by something that you have done or being scared to come to him because you did something wrong. Either way, you know, it's wrong. God's grace is always available for you to come running to him, to know him, to be loved by him. So uh, John 1 and 17 says, For the law was given through Moses, okay, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So grace came. It was not there until Christ came. So we didn't know grace. I mean, the Jews knew nothing else but, but, but the law. That is, that it was, was given to them saying, you must uphold the law to, to be righteous. But then grace came. And whose grace? Grace is Jesus. <laughs> grace and the truth about that grace came through Jesus Christ. All right? So he revealed something brand new that never existed before. And praise God, we get to in, uh, be, live in our, the time that we have, that what Jesus has already done. We didn't have to go through that law and do all those 613 things that were required of them, you know? Praise God. We just believe in Christ, that he did it all, you know, that he took the test, and he got 100 every day and never messed up, and then he gave us that great day. So when we got, we can go, so we graduated, Lord, because of Jesus. <laughs> we got it. We came in. We're sons and daughters now because of what Jesus did, all right? So John 1 and 14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of only, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace. He was an example of grace and truth, right? The Jews couldn't stand when he says God was his Father. <laughs> you know? He was an example of what we, what we were going to become, a son, a daughter, you know? The Jews like, you're making yourself to be a son of God, making yourself equal to God. You're blaspheming. Well, you know what? We could say we're sons and daughters of God now too. Why? Because of Jesus. That's the truth. So Barry says, what is the action of grace and truth? Because both grace and truth are action words. So sin was in the world. Sin entered the world through Adam. So sin was around a long time before even the law came, right? A lot of times, like, oh, well, they were sinners and everything, and then all of a sudden, you know, the law came. So why was the law introduced? The law came to show that we were exceedingly sinful, <laughs> No, the Bible says that no flesh, no flesh can be righteous by observing the law. It actually came to show us that we needed a Savior. We need someone to come in and save us. So Romans 7 and 13 says, Has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not, but sin, that it might appear sin, was producing death in me through what is good. So that sin should uh, sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. When we start looking at the law and all the laws that were there, 
you know, basically it makes it to the point where we go, that's it. I can't do it. And those who teach the law, you know, churches that teach the law, a lot of times what happens is people just walk away because they they, they're like, I can't do this. I can't do this. If, if God is going to judge me by this, I can't do it. And they walk away. And that's really, really sad. So I had a sto- heard a story, story where there, um, there was two people that were ministering to uh, the people who were kind of living out in the woods. They kind of had set up a camp, and they had lots of tents and stuff like that, and they were kind of there for each other and stuff like that. So they started going in and bringing bl- blankets and then, you know, gas heaters and things like that. But they met a certain man, and they they figured out really quick that this guy knew the scriptures very well. And so finally they said, how did you wind up here? He goes, oh, I was a minister at one time. I was a pastor of a church. But I, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't live up to all these, all these things that, you know, all, all these laws and all these things. I couldn't do it. Therefore, I, I just gave up. How sad. That is very sad. Grace brings us in, not because of anything that we have done, but because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Because he had applied the law, he lost everything. He gave up everything, you know, and went out into the woods. They preached grace to him, true grace. But you know what? It's not your performance and what you've done or what you didn't do or how you failed. It's all about Jesus. And this man finally got it. So he comes, now he's no longer living, you know, out in the woods with all the other homeless people, but he is coming out of that through grace, the true understanding of grace, you know? So the law drove him into that, stole everything from him, but, the, but grace has gave him everything back. He is now walking, you know, in the, in the truth and the grace of God. But the law, that's what happens. It makes you to just give up. Or if you, if you are good enough, you become a Pharisee. <laughs> Even though if you told the truth, there is no way that you could possibly fulfill the law. But you are so much better, better at it than everybody else that you want to stick up your nose about it, you know. And then basically said, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, but I'm righteous. <laughs> That's what the law will do too. He'll, they'll make you a Pharisee. So, but there's, salvation doesn't come through the law. It only comes through grace in Jesus Christ. All right? So um, number three, it says, law cannot save or justify. So in, uh, in Romans, it says... But now the righteousness of, God, righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. And um, the scripture before that says, Therefore by the deeds of the law no flesh will be justified in the sight, for by the law of sin, by the law is the knowledge of sin. So this, the law cannot justify you. It only comes through grace. Number four says, The law strengthens sin. First Corinthians 15 and 56. So the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Okay? 
So death, meaning separation from God, right? Because there's two kinds of death. There's physical death. Everybody knows that. But there's also spiritual death. Spiritual death is being separated from God by, because of sin, all right? And the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. So if you go by the law, you'll figure out very soon that you're a sinner and that you are deserving of death. There's no way around it. It's impossible to fulfill everything that the law requires. The law is not the way for you to be justified so that you can escape death, but it only strengthens death. You don't want to try to go before God about anything that you have done or the law. So number five says, how did God deal with sin? Can man deal with sin, with his sin on his own? No. Now this scripture is both prophetic and symbolic. And it's Zechariah 4, 4, 6 and 7. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to you, Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it right? So Zerubbabel was dealing with a lot of problems. God had sent him to build the temple, but he had opposition on every, on every front. They were being attacked. Every time they would get out there, they would be attacked. He didn't have what he, all he needed, but God said, no, you're going to, it's going to happen, and he's going to speak grace, grace to it. So God So the mountain refers to the difficulties, the opposition, and impediments that lay in the way of completing the temple. God's answer was to speak grace to it. God's desire was us to be his temple, but sin was a mountain in the way. Let's make sure. Okay. So 1 Corinthians 3 and 16 says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? He wants us to be his temple where he dwells, but sin was in the way. 1 Corinthians 6, 6, 6 and 19 says, Or do you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? As Zerubbabel was unable to himself to com- complete the temple and spoke grace, grace to it, we could not remove the mountain of sin that separated us from God. So God spoke grace, grace to it. That word of grace is Jesus. He sent Jesus. That's his word, his action of grace. So we have a, a couple of definitions of grace here. One is the Hebrew definition, the other one's Greek. So grace, the Hebrew definition is chin or favor or kindness. Grace, the Greek definition is charis, which is graciousness, benefit, favor, or gift. How did God deal with a mountain of sin? He dealt it by grace, by his kindness, his grace. So Barry's definition of grace is God's provision for every and I mean for each and every need. Whatever need you have, whatever you come against, God has already provided it through his grace, through Jesus Christ.
It doesn't matter what it is. God has provided it. So you can have a situation where your uh, AC breaks down. It blows up. You've been, then been told there is no way to fix it. And now it's going to cost you $8,000. And you don't have $8,000. Well, you know what? God's not surprised. So your attitude, your heart should be, okay, God, you weren't surprised by this. What's your plan for this? And you to pray and you go to him. He's already provided grace for this situation. He is giving you supernatural wisdom, understanding, and provision. That's just one situation. When you go to him and you trust in him, not because you did anything to deserve it, but because he loves you, because of Jesus, you can come to him and say, all right, God, what are you going to do about this? <laughs> and what's my part in it? Please just let me know. And, uh, and then you follow after him. You do what he says. And then you'll see that he already had a plan, and you just had to just kind of jump in and go along with the plan. And God, see to it that you get a new HVAC for half that. You know, uh, so that was a testimony on my, my part. <laughs> By the way, that's what happened to me. Happened to me and Diane, you know. But you know what? When situations come, no matter what they are, I go to him and I call upon that grace. God, you have already made provision through your grace, through your son, Jesus Christ. You know, I'm your son and you have a plan, right? So it doesn't matter what it is, whatever you're going through, Grace is there and available to you. doesn't matter what it is. He's going to get you through. He has a plan. He has enough power, provision, wisdom, and understanding to get you through any and everything that you can possibly come against. Now, a lot of times what happens, though, is instead of doing that, instead of going to God, we get upset and, you know, upset and run away from God, you know, get mad at him as if he did it. And that's not the case at all. We need to run to him so that we can receive that grace, you know. And guess what? Even if you mess up, there's mercy there too. Because you can, mercy and grace go together, you know. Oh, God, okay, I messed up. I, oh, no problem, mercy. And here's the grace now. Here's the, here's the super all over your natural. Here's your wisdom. Here's your understanding. Here's your provision. Here's your protection. It's all ready for you. Amen. Amen. So, let's see. Let's look at uh, Ephesians 1 and 7. In him we have received redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Forgiveness came because of the rich grace that he has shown us. We had no way to redeem ourselves. We were bankrupt and had no way to to have a way to, to, to save ourselves. But because of his grace, we have forgiveness of sins. So works mentality says Jesus plus. Head coverings. I don't know if you guys have, have seen some people come in, and I want to just kind of shake my head. They'll come in, and before they'll come up to the front, they'll actually put a, a prayer shawl over their, their head. And I'm like, no. <laughs> Why are you doing that? <laughs> Your covering is Jesus. 
You don't have to do that. Some people do that because they feel that they're, oh, they're closer to God because they're doing something, you know, from, you know, the, uh, the past or the, you know, the Jewish heritage and things like that. But you got to understand that all that stuff's been fulfilled by Jesus Christ. All of it. So you put on Jesus, no matter what it is. We don't have to observe any longer, you know, days or years or uh, festivals or any of those things. We observe Christ. Every day can be the same. It can be a great day because Jesus is in it and his grace has been made available to you. So it's Jesus only. It's not Jesus plus. But works says, or the law says, it's Jesus plus. Okay? Keeping the Sabbath. It's Jesus plus good works. It's Jesus plus reading my Bible for four hours, you know, a day. Of observing any Jewish festival. If it makes you feel closer or more, because it makes you feel closer or more acceptable to God. But if you approach God in any way in your heart, then it's because of Jesus. Then you'll be turned away. It's all about Jesus. But because it's about Jesus, when you, when you do mess up, you can still come running to him and he'll receive you. So let's uh, look at Romans 2 and 4. So it uh, says, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, which is his grace, forbearance, and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Guys, it's better to tell people about the goodness of God than to tell them they're going to hell <laughs> because of sin, you know? It would be better to tell them how good God has been with to you and how he treats you, how he's healed you, provided for you, given you wisdom, made you feel loved and accepted. When you share those things that you've experienced with someone, guess what? They'll open their heart to receive Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. Now, it's not that the other is not the truth, because it is. <laughs> but you should approach it, you know, God loves us so much that he saw where we're going. And so instead of us going, he went for us. Instead of turning it around and saying, you sinner! <laughs> You're going to die and go to hell. <laughs> no, we should be telling them about the goodness of God, the love of God, that amazing grace of God, and how real he is. He's not some far away from God. He's our father. He's our daddy. And that's how we should be betraying to him. That's how we should be telling others about him, how good he is. It is the goodness of God. That leads men to repentance. They're going to say, you know what? What I've been doing is, is yuck. <laughs> I've been, you, you, this is available? Really? Yeah, it is. I'm experiencing it and it's free. It comes through Jesus. That's the way to come to God. So number four says, grace removes the barrier of sin and the truth sets us free. So Roman, uh, John 8, 31 and 32 says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Okay? 
So an example that Barry gave, let's, he said, let's just read First Timothy 1, 12 and 14. He says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which, which are in Christ Jesus. You know what? If anyone deserved to maybe go to hell, <laughs> it would have been Paul. He was destroying the church of Jesus Christ, throwing people into prison, and even having some people killed. The very children of God, he was doing this too. But he obtained grace. And through that grace, God drew him in. He received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And he went in. If Paul can be saved and then live the life he lived, we can too. If, God, if he was able to receive the grace of God and God accept him, how much more us? You know? Mercy is not getting what you deserve, okay? Mercy, when God shows you mercy, you're not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. <laughs> Number five says, grace destroyed the power of sin. There is no more separation between God and man. So John 1 and 16 says, and of his fullness, we have all received grace for grace. God doesn't give us great, just grace. He's like, he's even more, way more than you could possibly ever need or want. It's there and made available. So B says, his grace toward us. Grace builds us up and gives us an inheritance. So Acts 20 and 32. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So it builds you up, it strengthens you, but also lets you know that you have an inheritance. And this is amazing because, you know, God could have just saved us but he went beyond that and made us sons and daughters. Now, he could have just said, okay, now your sons and daughters in the house. But not only did that, but he goes, you know, everything that I've given to Jesus, I've given to you. It's yours. I give it to you freely. He said, if, if I didn't withhold my son, I'm not going to withhold any good thing from you. Grace has given to you everything that, that Jesus has. It's yours. As he's made you his son and his daughter, now you have that inheritance. You have the same inheritance of Jesus. Everything that God has is now yours. That is hard to comprehend. Wow. Amazing. Number two, and then grace justifies us. And Romans 3 and 24 says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. A lot of people want to say, all right, I received this, this grace gift, you know, um, but then to, for it to really work, I've got to add something to it. So it would almost be like I went and I bought you, bought you a birthday gift, all right, but then you wanted to try to give me money, for, money toward it or for it. That's, 
That's not a gift. We have, to, we have to know and understand that Jesus paid the price. He's given us this gift and that we don't have to give any or add anything to it. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to add to it in any way. Jesus did enough. His grace is sufficient. And because of that, we're justified. Grace is, gives us gifts. Okay? So gifts came through his grace. Romans 12, 6 through 8 says, Having then gifts deferring according to the grace that is given us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Oh, you know, these are graces. This is his supernatural at work in us and through us, all right? And these are gifts that have been given. Not that we've earned them, but we've been given them. Number four says, grace gives us consolation and hope. Second Thessalonians 2 and 6 says, Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace. Okay? So, if depression comes your way, you've lost hope. People who are in depression, Christians who are in depression, because Christians do get depressed, all right? It's because they've moved away from grace. They, you have to see and understand that because of grace is there, you have an ever, everlasting consolation. So if you move from grace, then you can move right into depression. Anytime you start judging yourself for what you've done or not done, it'll lead you right in to depression because it'll get, it'll, you'll see really easy, and especially the devil will definitely show you how terrible you are and how undeserving you are and all those things. But grace, but Jesus, right, has shown us a grace. And in that, we can have everlasting consolation. We can have joy and peace. Instead of depression, thank God. <laughs> so uh, number five says, "Grace is faith and love. Uh, grace is faith and love toward us." First Timothy one and fourteen says, "And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. Faith and love comes through grace. Guess what? Faith it was a gift to you. You have faith." Because God gave it to you. So you can't say, I don't have faith. Because it was a gift to you. So you have to understand that you can actually stand in that great. You can stand in faith because God gave this to you. And you can stand in his love. It will never change. Because through his grace, it's come to you. So number six says, grace is mercy and will help in time of need. And I love this scripture. So let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Even the throne is called grace, the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So you can come to him boldly because of what Jesus has done. Mercy, so that you don't receive what you deserve. <laughs> and you can have grace so that you can get what you don't deserve. Because of Jesus and his love. So grace is multiplied in 
unto us through the knowledge of God. How do you want more? More grace in your life? This is how. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Truth brings us into God's grace. If you want more grace, if you want, you know, all those things that, uh, all these testimonies that people give and then you've heard, it comes through, through the knowledge of him who called us. The more, of the more you get in the word, you understand the word and you walk in the word, the more grace you walk in. That's how you have more grace. It's through his word, through an understanding his word. Grace has been given to all of us, so why are we not enjoying the fullness of his grace, right? Why does it seem that others have more of God's grace than others? What is their secret? So what about their health and victory? What about their love, peace, and joy? Here comes Ronnie again with another <laughs> amazing testimony, financial testimony. <laughs> How? Do we get there? How do we, how do we enjoy that level of grace? As we increase our knowledge and understanding of what he has done and who he's made us to be, the more of that knowledge comes to us and understanding that we walk into will be the, the level of grace that we get to enjoy. Grace can be multiplied. How? Through studying his word, looking to him. Hey, going to church and hearing those testimonies and say, oh, that's possible? Let me see what the word of God says about that, you know? And getting it in so that we can walk it out. Amen? So uh, 2 Peter 1, uh, 3 and 4 says, As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Did I read that already? I already read that. Sorry. Uh, let's go to C. His grace in us. What does grace produce for us? Grace is strength. And then 2 Corinthians 12 and 9 says, And he said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities than the power, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul didn't say, It's because of my great learning that I was able to do all these things. It's because I was so smart, and I, had, I was strong. No matter how many times they beat me or whatever they did to me, uh, that wasn't his secret. His secret was God's grace, God's super that has been made available to him only. He saw himself as weak. But because of God's grace, he was able to do all, everything he was able to do. And guess what? That's how we are able to do everything that God's called us to do is through his grace. We don't have to do it on our own. We don't have to grit our teeth and say, I've got to do this, but I don't know if I'm going to hold on. We need to call on his grace. It's available to you. 
Just call on that. Say, God, you, Jesus, you made this available through your grace. So now give me the strength to endure this. No matter how hard the journey is, how, how long the journey is, it may be he will give you the grace. You don't have to do it on your own. He has provided grace. Grace is provision. We see God's grace at work in Ronnie's, Ronnie's life. <laughs> You know, and uh, we want that and more. Because really, our ultimate example is is uh, Abraham and how blessed he was. Because it says in, in, in Galatians 3, it says that, that Jesus became a curse so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon us. And if you look how blessed he was, Abraham was, that's where God wants us all to be. How do I get there? Well, through his knowledge. Knowledge in his word. Keep walking it out, and you'll get there. But it's available. It is available. You want to know why I know it, it's available to you? Because, well, God said it, and I believe him. I don't, you know, I'm not going to believe anybody else. I believe that we continue in his grace that he will get us to the point that we're so blessed so that we can be a blessing and bring honor and glory to him, Right? So, so grace is power. Therefore, uh, this is uh, Acts 14 and 3. Go. Therefore, they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. It's by God's grace that the supernatural happens, that signs and wonders happen, Okay. So the more we exalt Christ and what he has done for us, then that's when grace comes and it comes freely. And we can see that in signs and wonders. Grace labors labors, labors (laughs) abundantly, (laughs) but by grace, this is uh, 1 Corinthians 15 and 10 says, but by grace, the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. If you have true grace, then it will prepare you into good works. The DNA of God, or the DNA of Jesus Christ, is to go and to serve and to do, you know. So if someone's like, I don't really need to do anything, I really question, you know, where they are (laughs) in their relationship with God, because everyone that really loves God seems to want to show the love of God. Wants to give of themselves and all of themselves to show the love of God to others, to serve others so they can show the love of Christ. So grace doesn't hold us back and tells us, oh, well, I, can't, I don't have to do anything. What it will do, though, it will propel you forward to, to serve and to love and to give. That's true Grace. Grace gives. This is number five. Seven Corinthians eight and seven says, "But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in the love for us, see that you abound in this grace also." And that is the grace of giving. It takes God's grace to give. If you are like, oh, I don't have anything to give, then you need to ask God to give you something to give. 
a lot of times what happens is God does give us things, you know, something to give, but then we just consume it ourselves or use it on ourselves. So we have to be really careful to say, you know, God, my finances are yours also, so you direct us. So, like, um, we had a hailstorm come through, and I've, I shared this before, and I had all these little ding, little dings, heart, you could hardly see them on my truck. And so I got them to come and look at it, and they sent me a check for almost 3000 Yeah, about $3,000. And I'm like, wow! So then I'm like, okay, God, what, what do you want me to do with this money? <laughs> I'm like, I can think of all kinds of things I'd love to do with this money, but I'm like, God, what do you want me to do with this money? And I didn't get an answer, so what did I do with the check? I put it aside. I put it aside. So then all of a sudden, you know, that HVAC problem came along <laughs> that I was telling you about. And God says, remember that check? <laughs> that check is to help pay for that. And then we got other checks that came in the mail. Then we had, the money, we had all the money that we needed to pay for that HVAC. God's grace his provision. God's good. Do you trust in him? Do you call on that grace? Right? Grace teaches us to d- deny ungodliness. So Titus 2, 11 through 12. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. If you have this grace relationship with God, he is, as a father should, teaching you what is right, what is good, what is proper, right? He is teaching you through his grace. Grace doesn't teach you just go do whatever you want and do whatever your flesh wants. Grace teaches you to live godly, soberly, righteously, even in this age and time we're in. <laughs> His grace is sufficient. So just some notes, and these are all from, from Barry. It says, false grace will allow you to do what you want and not care. True grace will motivate you to walk in freedom from sin. False grace will breed passivity. I don't have to do anything. True grace will see the needs and get involved because the very heart of God has been put inside you. False grace will, will slowly stop giving, but true grace will give abundantly and with joy. False grace will have no focus and vision for the future. True grace will be motivated to stir up the gift of God and, and see the unseen. God has a, a plan and a purpose for you, right? So we love um, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. So by the grace of God, through faith you have been saved, not of yourselves, lest any man should boast. But it goes on, it talks about that God has put a good work in you, you know? God has work to do on this, on this planet, you know? And that work can only be done through you. And his plan for you to impact this world is not small. It's big. 
if we really would follow after him with all our heart and, and lean on that grace that he's given us, the things that we should be doing, the things that we should be doing should be greatly impacting our, ourselves, our families, our friends, our neighborhoods, and beyond. So we need to look to that grace more and say, God, you know, I want you to work this in me. I know you put this in me. Now I want it to work, and I'm, I'm seeking you out, and I'm seeking that grace out because I want to be an impact for you. First of all, because I love you, and I know you want me to do that. But second of all, I, I want people to know you, and I want them to know this love and grace that you've shown me. So that is uh, lesson two. So praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I hope, I know a lot of this has probably been a review, and I'm hoping some of the things that I shared with you, you guys caught, because I always catch things. I don't learn things. I seem to catch things. It's like either I got it or I don't. <laughs> so um, one other thing, too, I wanted to say is in your, in your folder, I've got the dates of the lessons, okay? So we have September 3rd, which is next Sunday, the next Sunday to September 10th. We have a little bit of a gap there because we've got the prophetic on Sunday, but then me and Diane are going to be gone for a couple of weekends, unfortunately. So unfortunately, that's the, how it landed. So we're, the last two lessons will be done October 8th, okay? So I'm going down for my mom's 80th birthday. So I'm going to go celebrate that, and then... I'm going to take half of that. The next next part of the week, we're going to go down and see Diane's um, father and family, which we haven't seen in a couple of years, so it's been a little while. So we're just going to take that. I'm going to go all the way down to Louisiana and then drive all the way up to Missouri <laughs> and drive all the way back here. So it's a long trip, but it'll be worth seeing family. So 